0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Daniel Yang as we continue the series, The World Turned Upside Down. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hey, Merry Christmas, community. My name's Daniel Yang, and I'm honored to be a part of your church gathering today. I'm friends with many of your pastors and leaders, and I appreciate so much what you all are doing here in Chicagoland and beyond. In my day job, I direct the Senn Institute out of the Wheaton College of Billy Graham Center, but also I'm a part of a church planning team here called the Prodigal Network. Now, I come bearing good news and bad news. The good news is that Christmas is only about a week away. The bad news is that some of you only have about a week to find that perfect Christmas gift for that special someone, so it's time to get a move on. Now, how many of you would consider yourself to be a good gift giver? I mean, not me. I'm, I'm, I pretty much strike out most uh, most years. A few years ago, for a family white elephant game, I bought the most useless gift ever, a super cheap manual, blow-it-up-yourself, four-inches-thin twin-size mattress, And as luck would have it, uh, I know we're not supposed to believe in luck, but guess who got stuck with that gift in the end? Me. It was traumatic. So I want to save you the hassle and help you this year with your last minute shopping. Now, we did a little research to find out the most popular items on wish lists this year. And according to the National Retail Foundation, the third most wish-for gift is books and other media. 35% of gift givers says, hey, you know, I'd I take that. So I'd be happy with a book, a subscription, some kind of streaming service. The second most wish-for gift is clothing and accessories with 52% of us wanting that gift. So my guess is that the other half of us were done receiving long underwear and ugly sweaters. Now, what do you think is is the most wish-for Christmas gift this season. Christmas gift cards. Yeah, 59% of us just want the gift card. Basically, the majority of folks are saying, hey, you're terrible at buying gifts. Just, Just give me the stinking card. I'll do it myself. It's hard finding that perfect gift. But today, I want to talk to you about a gift that you can give every person that you know. And if they received it, it'd be exactly what they wanted. It's the gift of belonging. Most of us just want to belong to something. We want to belong to someone, not just to fit in, but we want to be seen. We want to be known to feel that we're accepted and valued for who we are, even for our bumps and our quirks, and even despite our failures. Everyone longs for a connection and yet so many people struggle to find it. In fact, the sheer number of people who don't have a sense of belonging that's led experts to call this a loneliness epidemic. You probably know that the pandemic led to increased isolation and feelings of loneliness, but the issue of loneliness was already a big part of our culture way before 2020. In fact, a 2018 study of 20,000 adults revealed that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. That's almost every other person that you encounter. That means that some of you watching right now have felt lonely. Maybe you feel lonely right now in this moment. Everyone feels lonely sometimes, but some of us feel it in greater degrees than others. Even those who seem to have it all together, the folks who have fame and notoriety, they still talk about feeling lonely. For example, Joss Whedon, he directed the Avengers film. He said, loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. You can even see how that was a huge theme in the movie. Some of you might be fans of the actress uh, Anne Hathaway. I mean, someone famous like her even says, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. And then there's Albert Einstein. He famously wrote, it is strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. Some of you feel alone, but you're not alone in feeling alone. In fact, it's so pervasive that human beings even took it with us into space. In the 70s, NASA launched the twin spacecraft Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, and their mission was to take pictures of the furthest reaches of the solar system. And when they sent out the spacecraft, it was equipped with a recording of a human heartbeat and a piece of music, the Cavatina movement from Opus 130 by Beethoven. And this was a message from us human beings on Earth to anyone and anything out there in the universe who might be listening. In fact, they're still out there. And if you were some lonely alien trekking across the universe, if you came across Voyager 1 or 2, you would hear this. Annie Druin was the creative director for this project. And when she was asked why they chose this specific piece of music to transmit, she talked about how Beethoven had written the German word for longing, all in the margins of this beautiful, but sad sounding song. Right now, even as I speak, Voyagers 1 and 2 are carrying with them all throughout the universe this audio representation of the human desire for connection and belonging. And for so many people, the holidays are the loneliest times of the year. Even at a crowded store or at a super fun Christmas party, we can often have that nagging sense of disconnect from people all around us because just being with people isn't the same as being seen and being known. But folks, this is why Jesus came. At Christmas, we celebrate the wonder of God coming to be with us when Jesus comes into our world the same way as all of us came into the world as infants. God becomes so we could belong. And the Apostle John captured the immensity of this wonder. And I love how Eugene Peterson translates what John writes in John 1, 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, True from start to finish, Jesus became God with us and the world has never been the same. He came so that you and I could receive the gift of belonging. And today I want to help us see that, but also I want to help us feel this reality by sharing the story of how Jesus turned one lonely woman's world upside down. The story is found in John chapter four, and it begins with Jesus deciding to take a long road trip from Jerusalem back to his hometown in Galilee. And on this journey, he comes to a town in Samaria called Sychar, and Jesus is tired. He was definitely physically tired from walking because it was at least a 31-mile journey on foot. I'm not sure if Jesus was an introvert or not, but I can imagine how tired he'd be with 12 other guys constantly hanging around him, nonstop, 31 whole miles talking, complaining, asking questions the whole time. Uh, That's like every introvert's nightmare. Imagine a van road trip, and Jesus is, he's trying to sleep. Peter's constantly asking, hey, what are we're gonna do next. John, the youngest, is constantly asking, hey, are we there yet? Maybe use the bathroom. Then there's Thomas, the daughter, saying, hey, I don't think this is the right way. <laughs> And then James, uh, he called the son of thunder. He's yelling at everyone, hey, shut up. And then there's Simon the Zealot, the revolutionary. He's literally, he's literally, he's saying, I'm gonna kill everybody. So you can almost wonder when Jesus, he reaches sidecar and he sends all the 12 gods and says, hey, you all just get some food, leave me alone. And one of the poor guy just wants to have some peace and quiet to himself. Whatever it is that Jesus is feeling, he's, he sits by himself and he's alone by the water well. And uh, maybe he's recharging. So he's sitting there and a woman who's from around town comes to draw water. It's not obvious to us, but John, who's actually writing this, he's purposely laying out a really, really odd scene. Normally, a woman from around town would uh, travel early in the morning together in groups to get the water. But this lady, she came by herself. And it was later in the day, uh, the hottest time of the day, the hardest time to run this errand. And then uh, the fact that this lady comes to draw water alone suggests that she probably wanted to avoid the other woman or that she had some kind of reputation around town. Uh, you ever have some sort of like regular routine you purposely do because you're trying to avoid people? Uh, have you ever had somebody, you just felt like they were developing a routine just to purposely avoid you? That's a, that's a terrible feeling. And I'm sorry if you've ever felt that way, but that's kind of what this lady was feeling. It reminds me of a classmate I had uh, from middle school. He didn't uh, have a lot of friends, uh, mainly because he He smelled funny. Uh, He didn't bathe or brush his teeth regularly. So uh, people avoided him. And uh, we all made sure to get in lunch, um, in the line for lunch, either before or after him. And and people just never uh, sat with him during lunch. And from a distance, uh, they'd laugh at him, make jokes. And uh, I'm really, really embarrassed that uh, I made fun of him too. And so um, I'm just, you know, really, really sorry that I wasn't courageous enough to befriend him because uh, when we all returned to the eighth grade after uh, that summer, uh, he did not. Uh, during summer break while visiting his aunt, he, uh, he jumped off a bridge into a river and uh, ended his life. And I wish someone would have uh, been there with him on that bridge that summer. I hate that he uh, was alone. I don't know if the lady John was writing about ever had similar thoughts to my middle school classmate, but whatever it was that she was feeling, whatever it was that She was thinking uh, like Jesus was there with her and he definitely sensed this loneliness about her. This woman comes across this strange and tired man sitting by the well and probably to her shock, instead of avoiding her like everybody else, he strikes up a conversation. And you've probably uh, maybe heard this story at some point, and you might know that uh, by Jesus speaking to her, he was committing a taboo, uh, breaking some cultural norm. It's pretty clear from her response uh, that he was doing that because she says to Jesus, you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In those days, there was a lot of tension between Jewish people and the Samaritans, They just didn't associate with each other. And culturally, a Jewish man, actually, they would rarely speak to a woman in public that they didn't know. In fact, Jesus, like engaging her in a conversation could have easily been interpreted as him flirting with her. But also, you see, the Jews viewed the Samaritans as having heretical teachings of the Old Testament. So they really didn't respect them in general. But as the conversation goes on, it's revealed that Jesus has some unique insight into this woman's life. It was really out of the blue to her. And Jesus asked her to do something that was really strange. He asked her to go and get her husband. She says to Jesus, I don't have a husband. And instead of backing off, you know, Jesus says that thing at a party when the rest of us are watching, and we're like, Jesus, don't go there. Jesus, do not go there. She is not ready for this conversation. Just let her alone, Jesus. But that's the thing about Jesus. He's not afraid to go into the places where we won't let others enter, and he's not afraid to pry, even in the places that we're hiding. So Jesus throws away all the social norms. He does a really socially awkward thing and he calls you out. He says, yeah, I know. I know you don't have a husband because you actually have five of them. And there are different views of what Jesus meant by this. Some scholars think that it reviews the woman's kind of scandalous history, which could explain why the other woman in town didn't want to be around her. Other scholars think that it could have been that this woman was whittled five times over. And if that were the case, it may have been her grief that led her to pull away in isolation. But whatever the situation was, what I want us to notice is this, that Jesus sees her. Jesus sees her. He knows her in a way that others don't know her. And being seen, being known in this way can turn a person's world upside down. If you're feeling alone this Christmas, uh, know that God who became flesh and blood in the person of Jesus, he sees you today too. He knows you the way that no one else knows you. He wants to turn your world upside down because he knows you from the inside out. He knows you from the inside out. Look what happens next in the story. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Think about what's happening here. I mean, these were the people that she was avoiding. They were people that were shunning her or people that she had shunned. But now she's got some renewed courage to go back and tell them a story. She essentially says, hey, I met a man. And they probably are like, hey, uh, yeah, what's new? You've, you've had five, six, like who cares about your seventh? She says, no, no, I, I met a man who knows me. He really knows me. They probably say, hey, lady, there's a lot of Johns here that know you. And she says, no, no, you don't get it. Like she, he's peeled back the layers. He sees my bumps, my quirks. He knows my failures. He knows me. He sees me. He sees me better than you see me. He sees me better than I see me. And there was something remarkable about the energy that she was bringing to them because they listened to her. Not only did they listen to her, but they believed her. And not only did they believe her, but they eventually believed Jesus. Scripture says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed Two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. As I'm thinking through this scene in my head, I see Jesus spending a few uh, days in Sychar as the talk of the town. Like everybody wants to be near him. Everyone wants to hear the words that he's saying. Everybody wants to be seen by Jesus too. Like they come out of hiding because Jesus allowed this woman to come out of hiding. And there she is right in the center of it all and the people then tell her we no longer believe just because of what you said now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world and the way this passage ends is uh, is worth reflecting on here's a woman who a matter of hours before had been a social outcast utterly alone every day she carried around this baggage of her past made sure that she had to schedule her day in her life to avoid being around those who might stare at her and shame her. But now she becomes the first person to carry the good news about Jesus to the Samaritan people. She testifies that he's the Messiah. And when they come to see Jesus for themselves, the the chains of stale religion break off and they feel seen by the real God of the universe. And her encounter with Jesus not only transforms her relationship with God, but it transforms her relationship with the people in her community. No more isolation, no more lonely trips to the well. And because of Jesus, the one who was once an outcast can now receive the gift of belonging. Folks, I'm in this really weird tension right now where I shared in passing with you a sacred story from my life about a a young boy from my childhood who uh, took his own life because he couldn't deal with, uh, with loneliness. Um, and I don't, I don't know how you're making the connection between uh, his story and then the story of this woman that Jesus met. It almost seems unfair that uh, Jesus like, didn't meet him at the bridge the way that he met her at the well. Uh, and I try not to carry this guilt uh, as a Jesus follower. I try to carry his story as a legacy and, uh, and even as a lesson. You see, regardless of the degree of belief or disbelief we have in God or any religion, you and I have a capacity to be courageous and to be something to someone else who feels like they have no one else. And it's hard to accept that Jesus is the Son of God for some of us, and, but you can at least accept that what Jesus was doing was he was just being a decent human being to people who couldn't, he couldn't stand to see other human beings suffer in isolation and loneliness. And just this bit of realization about who Jesus is, like it draws me to him. It makes me want to be like him and it makes me want to be loved by him. And it makes me want to love like him, Uh, just like he loved this woman that he met. Uh, Jesus offered the gift of belonging to the woman he met at the well. And uh, you can offer the gift of belonging to others at their wells and at their bridges, at the school lunch tables, in the executive boardrooms, in the quietness of their solo Christmas gathering this year. When we offer the gift of belonging belonging to God in the same way that Jesus offered the gift of belonging, this is what we're saying to a lonely world. We're saying that God made a way for you to live in a right relationship with him, but also with others. God adopts you as his beloved He's your loving father, you have a family. Uh, you belong to him for eternity. You belong to each other in a kingdom community. And many of us have been living solo lives, disconnected from God and from others. And perhaps it seems that the loneliness you feel well, is it's always gonna be there. And maybe you feel misunderstood or unheard like Voyager uh, 1 and 2. You might feel as if you're traveling alone in space, carrying this message of longing and hope for connection. But that doesn't have to be your story. The gift of belonging is for you. And the gift of belonging is something that you can offer to other people around you. When that gift is accepted, like people become a part of a community learning to follow the way of Jesus, a community made up of people who are being transformed by the love and the hope of Jesus, people who are learning about what it means to be seen, to be known, to find true connection. And I, I'm so glad that churches like community uh, provide these kinds of environments and spaces like uh, like your small groups. As I mentioned before, my family and I are part of a small group of people planting a church. And I I love big groups and I love the crowds, but I could not imagine doing life this past year without this small group of people that I call my church. Happens not just Sundays, but it happens every day. And small groups are that place where they can be, where people from all walks of life come together to find biblical community and to grow deeper in their faith. And there are so many stories of that here at this church community. Uh, Check out this one uh, of Kim who found belonging through her small group.
1: My name is Kim and I've been attending community for a little over a year. I had moved into the area six months prior to the pandemic, and I hadn't really found a church home. And how do you find a church home during a pandemic? Everything was still very much online. There was no in-person anything, and so I I started just watching services online. Then the church says, hey, we're opening up. I said, put me wherever you need me. So then Usher is where I was and I enjoyed it. And the next Sunday, Tim and I meet. And so I was like, so tell me about small groups and everything. He said, well, you can join my small group. I was like, really? It was so wonderful because we're all around the same age. And even though this group of people for the most part have known each other, it seems like forever. I didn't feel like I was new. This time last year, I had COVID. When I had COVID, I had these debilitating headaches. It had some very um, traumatic lasting effects that um, happened over time. There was a period of time where I could not even really talk at all. The pain was so bad, I couldn't communicate. I couldn't get the words out of my head. It messed with my cognitive abilities. Impacted my ability to work my ability to think. I can't really drive distances. I'm sad. I'm sad if I'm honest. But yeah. So during this time, I couldn't um, care for myself in a lot of ways. And so small group, like going to the doctor, getting food, just being there, doing all of those things. I moved out here away from everybody. And without my small group, I would have been on my own. But I wasn't. I've been homesick since June. So that means that in that short period of time, I somehow got family. I feel like I belong. I got people, I got people, like friends at community, my small group, my friends on the ushers and different people who call me. When I was in need and I have been in need, community has shown up for me. And I just got here because of community and small group. I had a family and I didn't have to go through this alone.
0: I love Kim's story because it gives us a glimpse of how things are meant to be. Uh, Those are the same things I'm experiencing in our missional community at my church. And it's what so many others are experiencing in small groups here at community. Friends, something significant happens when we uh, don't keep Jesus' gift of belonging to ourselves. And this is the time of the year to just like to give love away. At Christmas, we know that often, you know, like the feeling of giving something away is so much better than receiving. And that's exactly what the woman who met Jesus did at the well. Uh, Jesus saw her. He knows the story of her life. He saw her struggles and her joys. And she uh, asked him big questions about faith. And then he responds by giving her a gift greater than uh, the gift that she could have ever, any, any gift that she could have ever imagined but then she wasn't like, she wasn't content to keep the gift to herself. When the woman returns to her village, she tells a story about her encounter with Jesus and it opens up the door for other people to receive the gift of belonging. Uh, they too could be seen and known by Jesus. They too could experience the living God. And because this one woman shared this gift that she received with others, their worlds were turned upside down too. As much as I can help it for as long as I can, I never want to live life in a way where I ignore people around me, especially those that are desperate for God. Because no matter how many bumps someone has, no matter how many quirks or failures they have, the gift of belonging is for everyone. And we have the opportunity to give that same gift away. Who in your life needs the gift of belonging? It might be a neighbor who's spending the holidays alone this year. The coworker whose life experiences and family of origin are very different from yours. Uh, or it could be that family member that you've not spoken to since the 2020 elections. Like offering the gift of belonging can be, again, like it could be so simple. You can just text somebody, write a note to say hello, give an invitation to dinner, just listening to someone's story, standing in line with them when no one else will. And together we can we can offer belonging to a lonely world and help people find their way back to God. Remember uh, when the Samaritan woman uh, returned to her people, she said, come see a man who told me uh, everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Come see. Uh, when the people in the woman's village encountered Jesus, their lives changed forever. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And because of her testimony and her invitation to come and see, the people in the woman's village had a life-changing encounter with the savior of the world. And we have the opportunity to introduce people to the savior of the world, just like her. The one who helps the lonely find belonging, who brings healing to the hurting, who adopts people into his family, the one who brings hope and peace and justice, Jesus, the savior of the world. In a few days, a community is celebrating Jesus' birth together. Christmas at community. It's It's a wonderful time for you to invite someone to come and to see and to hear the good news of Jesus, either in person, in any one of the locations or in a 3C community or on community online. There's someone in your life that needs the gift of belonging. And like the woman Jesus met at the well, Would you invite our town to come and see? And my prayer for this Christmas is that the lonely would find belonging. But I also pray that you and I would let Jesus turn our world upside down.